Hey guys, welcome back to Mommyhood Redeemed. Before we get started today, we wanted to let you know that the Risen Motherhood podcast has featured a blog that I wrote and Vanessa helped me with about suffering in the gospel through my son's fight with arthritis and how God is near and working in those times. And we hope you guys will be so encouraged and brought closer to the Lord through it. So jump on over to the Risen Motherhood website or the link is also on our Instagram and Facebook. Yes, it's definitely a read for really any mama, even if you aren't going through a trial at this very moment, just to be encouraged by. And we are so excited to jump into our second part of our series on the fruits of the spirit in motherhood. It has really been a sanctifying um, just process for us as we've sought the word and just wisdom from the Lord as we've been going through these in our own hearts and in our own lives. And we just pray that you would be encouraged to um, just display these fruits of the spirits in your day-to-day mothering, just as we um, pray the same for us. So last time we covered the first four, which were love, joy, peace, and patience. And today we're going to look at the last five. So let's dive in. Okay. So Matthew 7, 16 through 20 says, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Do our lives as moms reflect that we know and love Jesus above all else? Are we reflecting those fruits of the spirit? Are we choosing to walk in the spirit or in the flesh day to day? Kindness. John MacArthur describes it as it essentially is goodness of heart, goodness of heart. It's just that high level of noble virtue that seeks always to do good. Kindness is epitomized in Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 10 one speaks of the meekness and kindness of Christ using this word. So many incidents in his life showed just basic divine goodness, feeding hungry people, picking up the little children into his arms and blessing them, saying to the crowd in Matthew chapter 11, those beautiful words that, that words that seem almost, I'm sure, inconsistent to one who is utterly holy as our Lord. But these are the words, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Lord says, I am gentle. I am gentle. He is the model of this goodness, this gentleness, this tenderness. So, and only the Holy Spirit can give us the ability to exhibit this kind of kindness. People, but especially your children and husband, should know you for your kindness, your ability to overlook offenses. Uh, to extend grace and mercy and patience in all matters for your willingness to push anger far, far away, no matter how much you've been offended for your kindness poured out to the lovable and the unlovable. Is this you? And so along those same lines comes goodness. And I really like how MacArthur describes this virtue as well. He says, goodness was deep, a deep down virtue of moral sweetness moral excellence. And we can't even find the word in secular Greek sources. 
it sort of was coined by believers as a way to express a kind of goodness that was deeper than anything the world experienced. It usually is compared with righteousness, and that's really helpful to kind of get the meaning of it. In Ephesians chapter 5, we read in verse 9, the fruit of the light, the light, capital L, the divine light, the heavenly presence of our Lord. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So their goodness is connected to righteousness. And I think that's very helpful because righteousness can tend to be the hard edge. Righteousness can tend to be the stern aspect of Christian character, right? You are righteous. You have righteous standards. You have righteous convictions. You know what is right. You expect people to do what is right. You uphold the standard of what is right. You defend what is right. That is a sterner aspect of Christian character. But the backside of that and what's the and that's what light produces, according to Ephesians 5, 9, the backside of that righteousness is goodness. That's the soft side of your convictions. That's the kindlier expression of your convictions. It's right to have those convictions. It's right to hold those convictions. It's right not to compromise those convictions, but it's also right to be full of goodness. So those convictions don't wind up bashing people. In a timely fashion, the Christmas story comes to mind. We read of Joseph, who comes to find out that his soon-to-be wife, Mary, is with child. He knows that he cannot marry her any longer. The righteous thing to do is to call off the marriage. But it says in Matthew 1.19 that he was not only a righteous man, but he was a good man. He could have chosen to stone her, humiliate and shame her publicly which he had every right to do, supported from the Old Testament for her transgressions. But instead, he did this privately. His righteousness was tempered with goodness. So you guys, the question for us begs, do we exemplify goodness in our behavior, in our interactions with others, especially our kids? Do our kids see mercy and grace wrapped up in our righteousness? One situation that popped into my mind when thinking about kindness and goodness towards our children was um, something I uh, am faced with basically every morning. Um, When my kiddos um, (laughs) run into my room at 5.15 in the morning Mm -hmm. and in my head, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I do not want to get up. This is too early. Please go get back in your beds. But Instead, by the grace of God, I push that selfishness away and get out of bed with hugs and kisses and smiles and kindness towards them. Because these are the moments that we can be like Christ, welcoming and loving and kind and showing them goodness. And we all know that it's so easy to be a grump in those situations. But then how does that shine Christ's love into the little souls of my boys? When they look back on their childhoods, I really pray that they see a Christ-like kindness and goodness displayed. That's so good. So convicting because I definitely think that is something that all mothers struggle with (laughs) in so many Mm -hmm. different ways. So the last three are gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And as we mentioned before, we really could spend an entire podcast on uh, each and every single one of these. But for the sake of time, uh, we're going to try and explain these last three biblically and try to apply them to our mothering as quickly as we can. So the first one is gentleness. 
And we have to really recognize that all of these qualities, the fruit of the spirit, are reflective of God himself. He's our perfect example that we're to mirror. So gentleness, even though it seems weak, is really anything but weak. It's a reflection of the character of our loving and merciful God. Another word for gentleness is meekness or humility. We see this again talked about in verse 1 of chapter 6 when it says, If anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of humility or gentleness. It's humility that is gentle. And humility, by its nature, is gentle. Humility doesn't ride over people. It doesn't run over people, even people who are struggling with sin. It treats them with a kind of meek, gentle character. So we are to be marked with humility. And in Philippians, we see how Christ is our example of humility and meekness and gentleness. He humbled himself to death. And when you share the gospel and the gravity of eternal punishment, you have to finish in all humility and all gentleness with that beautiful picture of Christ and his redeeming love and his grace. And then there's faithfulness. So if you're walking in the spirit, you're going to manifest this faithfulness. It is a loyalty to your word. It's honesty. It's fidelity. Just as God is always faithful to his word, so should we be. That's one thing, one character trait that I love about God is he is the only one who is perfectly faithful and true to his word. Whatever he says, whatever he promises, it will always come to pass. And that is the same kind of faithfulness that we want to have. It's basic integrity. We are to be able to be trusted because we're honest, we're upright, we're truthful. When you're truthful and you're trusted, you are reflecting God and his word. And this is one attribute that we really want our kids to see daily. They hear us talk to them about God and the gospel and his word. So are we trustworthy in what we say about other things? Because if we aren't, why are they going to believe what we say about God and his Mm -hmm. word and the truth? And this is so convicting um, because I think it's easy to embellish things or not really say the full truth sometimes or whatever it might be. But our kids are watching and we want to set that example of faithfulness to them so that not only they see God and his character as being faithful, but also that they too would exemplify that faithfulness, that they would be men and women of their word and of integrity. And then the last one is self-control. And again, self-control is an attribute of God. It is countercultural, really, to have self-control in today's society. I think we can look around really anywhere you go, and people, children and adults alike, are really just out of control. They do whatever they're feeling and whatever they think is right. They just are really submissive to their own wills. But we're called as believers to beat our bodies into submission. We're called to say no to our flesh and to say yes to obedience. And we see this word self-control used in Second Peter 1. It says, as believers, add to your faith, moral excellence, knowledge. Add to your knowledge, self-control. And John MacArthur <clears throat> said something simple about this. It's get a hold of yourself. Get a grip oh. on yourself. That really is what it is. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I have beat my body into submission, lest in ministering to others, I've become a castaway. So 
again, it's this ability to be consistent, to be separate from sinners, to be holy, to be undefiled, to be pure, which obviously is perfectly impossible apart from being fully redeemed one day. But then again, we can look to Christ's example and we want to strive for excellence in this area as with all the other fruits of the spirit. And this is one area where I really believe myself included that moms need to get a grip on themselves. We need to have self-control. We need to have self-control over our words, over our thinking, over our actions. We need to realize that we have been given the power and the ability because of Christ's redeeming work in our lives to say no to sin and to choose to obey and to do the right thing. We can choose to exhibit love and patience and all these other fruits and to say no to our flesh. And it is only, of course, by that work of the Holy Spirit in us. And I really have countless examples of lack of self-control, both in my life and in my children's and the need for it. But one thing I think that comes to mind is really on a daily basis with my kids, something happens with one or all of them where we end up having a a conversation about having self-control and why they need to have self-control. And they, although not redeemed yet, um, are still learning what it means to get a grip on themselves. And by the grace of God, I pray one day the Lord would save them and that they would have the spirit indwelling them and give them that ability to have self-control. But I get so convicted every time I do this because I think about myself and I think, well, was I being a good example of having self-control? Was I responding to them when something didn't go my way, when they did something that I asked them not to do, when they're frustrating me, when I'm being impatient, whatever, or am I just reacting? Am I yelling? Am I raising my voice? Am I quick? Am I short? Am I not exhibiting self-control in my behavior towards them? And more times than not, I can say that probably on that same day, I did not exhibit self-control to them. And I didn't exemplify it and show it to them. And yet here I am, you know, disciplining them for not having self-control and not doing what is right. And I am doing the exact same thing. And so this has just been really convicting to me that, you know, I have the power through Christ in me to have self-control. And since I've been preparing for this, I really have been reiterating to myself, get a grip on yourself. And I said, get a grip on yourself. Like you stop. Like, think what you're saying, think what you're doing before you do it. Um, And I really think that this is something that is, because it's so countercultural, it's going to be such a light to our kids and to other people when they see us, you know, in the store or at the park or wherever, when it's so easy to not have self-control and to just react in a situation, to not act that way. And people wonder how, you know, why is she acting that way? And it can open up gospel opportunities for you to share why you have the ability to have self-control with your kids. So what is the end goal of all of these things? At the end of the day, as with everything in this life, it is so that Christ will be glorified in you. That is the chief end of man to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So Why are we called to exhibit love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? So he, Jesus Christ, is put on display in your transformed life. John MacArthur also said that this is not how people live in this world. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, etc. That is not our culture. Our culture has been defined by immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, and a lot of others. That is this society. Lives like this, these gospel-centered, spirit-filled lives, are a demonstration of the power of the gospel. They bring so much glory to our Lord. And that's the reason he's called us to live walking in the spirit so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified in you and in him. So we have to ask ourselves, what does our life look like if we're walking by the spirit? It's going to be a life manifesting faithfulness, truthfulness, trustworthiness. It's a life where meekness, humility, and gentleness are manifested and a life where self, the lust of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life, self, will, and sin is under control. And love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness all come together. I think it's easy to get discouraged and to say, but I can't live like this. It's so overwhelming. How can I do this? I I can't. But if you belong to Christ, your life has been crucified with him. It's already happened. That means that all of your lusts, your passions, your flesh, the wrong desires that you have have been put away and you have been delivered. You're victorious through him. You can choose this day to obey Christ, to walk in the spirit. And even though you haven't been fully redeemed, that's not an excuse for us to say, well, I'm not going to walk in the spirit. I'm not going to display these things because we are called in Corinthians a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And you can live a life that pleases him, that reflects Christ, and that points others towards him. Amen. May we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all things and bearing fruit in every good work. John MacArthur also said, march and step with the Holy Spirit and you will see fruit in your life and you will be a shining light in a dark and polluted world. Yes. And we pray this for you and we pray this for us. And we just wanted to note that a lot of the quotes we used today were from some messages that John MacArthur gave, and we will um, make sure to somehow link those in our uh, Instagram, Facebook, podcast, um, blog, whatever account, so that you guys can find those and listen to those as well as they were extremely helpful and beneficial um, and just so encouraging. And I think they would encourage each of you as well. So Thanks so much for listening today. We look forward to continuing on this journey with you all as we seek to redeem mommyhood every day for God's glory through the power of the gospel.